All right, we're in Ephesians chapter 6 tonight, getting close to the end of the book, very close. And tonight we're actually going to transition into a new section, the final section of the book of Ephesians, uh, standing. Uh, so we saw sit, walk, and now stand, the stance of the believer. And if I had to uh, entitle my message tonight, it would be standing in the light, standing in the light. So we'll get there. You know, I, I go back and watch my sermons often, as painful as that can be sometimes, because it helps me to, to catch, oops, I said that wrong, or I need to backtrack, I need to shore that up. And you know, it's, it's amazing to me that I'm allowed to speak in public at all. I don't know why you guys come, <laughs> but God is good. Uh, even to a clown like me, um, and it's, I'm proving that I am a clown this week. My wife, uh, as you know, had surgery Monday, and thank you all for your prayers, your support, the meals. It's been a huge blessing. I don't know how she does it. You moms are something else. Just to be able to manage a home, to, to make three children survive and get anything else done, I just don't know how in the world she does it every day. And I'm making my mistakes for sure. So please do pray for the Elwoods as Sarah continues to recover. She's home tonight. She's in a bit of a bit of pain, but she's doing pretty well. So uh, anyway, I am a clown, but God's giving grace, and I'm glad to be here tonight. So my message last week, um, I, I, I watched it and just amazed by some of the things that I missed. Um, really didn't spend much time on the masters, really. So just it's so important that the masters in Ephesians chapter 5 uh, excuse me 6 um, and verses verse 9 really um, so important that they treat their servants or their slaves as we saw as Christ treats us and that will make for a beautiful relationship where master and servant are working together to the glory of God treating each other as Christ would have us treat each other. Um, and it talks a lot about in that chapter and in that section about letting your light shine, right? Remember those messages? And when the children obey the parents and the husband obeys the wife and the servant obeys the master and the master treats the servant well and the husband lovingly leads as Christ leads the, leads the church and the parents, uh, especially the fathers as it mentions here, uh, loves and leads their children as Christ does, uh, that light just shines clearly for the world to see. Maybe in different, different colors of light even. Get the whole spectrum and hopefully we'll attract people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Something else I said, I, I talked about eye service. Do you remember that? Not serving with eye service. Not just when the master's looking. And I said that th that word uh, comes from like you know, an eye doctor, and I said, the obstetrician. It's not, that's not the eye doctor. <laughs> uh, it's ophthalmologist, that's the one. Uh, but it, it comes from that Greek word. I, I, why do you listen to me when I preach? I tell you. Um, but not with eye service, serving the Lord, because the Lord's always watching, isn't he? Even when the masters, the human masters, don't see. So, well, let's move on to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, the final section of the book, the stance of the believer. And if you know Watchman Nee, um, he breaks that, the book down into three big sections. Sit, recognizing our position in Jesus Christ, that Christ, when he finished his work on the cross, went to heaven, 
and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Right? His work is finished, and we are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Folks, do you realize what that means? We have a position in Jesus Christ. We have authority as a believer in spiritual warfare, in prayer. Um, we have blessings and an inheritance. We are with Jesus in that position, the right hand being the, the position of power. And so we're with Jesus. That's all ours, and we have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So first recognize your position, where you're seated with Jesus, and rest in Him. And then we walk. What does the walk of the believer look like? And we just finished that section, and in a wicked world, how do I walk, the Christian walk, and still remain unspotted from the world? That's a tough job, and we can't do it alone. And that's why every time he addressed um, a submission relationship, he said to do it how? In the Lord, or as unto the Lord, right? So we remember that we can't do it in our flesh, can we? We're not supposed to do it in our flesh. We're supposed to do it in Jesus. Remember that we have a position in Him, we are in Him, and if we abide in Him and His words abide in us, his life will flow through us. We'll have abundant life even here on this earth. We'll produce fruit. And we can only do it when we're plugged into the vine. So remember that. All right, so we have here standing in the light. Let's read verses uh, 10 through 13. The Bible says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Boy, what a fight we've got on our hands, folks. Verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Let's ask the Lord's blessing tonight. Father, thank you for using someone like me with all of my faults. Lord, every day I prove to myself how weak I am, how foolish I am, how forgetful I am. But Lord, it only proves how good and gracious and mindful that you are. Father, thank you for allowing us to be here tonight under the fellowship of your word. Thank you that we are redeemed in Jesus and that we have a position in Him. Thank you that you've given to us everything we need for a life of godliness, that we can walk the Christian life in Jesus. And now, Father, I pray that you'd open our eyes and our hearts tonight to the truth that we can stand in the battle. We can stand in the light in a dark world because you've given us your word You've empowered us, you've redeemed us, you've changed us, you've given us new life, we're new creatures. So Lord, help us to fight, having our armor on, help us to stand together in unity, and we ask for your blessing tonight. I need, you, I need your help tonight, Lord, so would you help? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Christian, we're sitting in Jesus, we walk in Jesus, and now we stand in Jesus. And Again, the message tonight is standing in the light. There's a dark world around us, folk. 
and folks, and the darkness is trying to, trying to, uh, uh, what's the word? Comprehend the light, or overtake and swallow and smother the light. But the Bible says that the darkness comprehended Jesus not, right? It couldn't squelch the light. And if you stand in Jesus, the world can't squelch your light either. It can shine brightly. We can stand with our armor on, the, the army of light, against the forces of darkness and wickedness. And we can win. And that's good news. So it says, Paul says to his Ephesian believers, his audience there in Ephesus, Finally, my brethren, just a reminder that we're saved. You're one of the brethren, and we have each other to lean upon. We should be fellowshipping with one another, lifting each other up. An army is not strong if everyone stands isolated, correct? An army is strong when they stand together. It's like a brotherhood. And you know the Roman warfare where they would often link together and create just this wall that nothing could penetrate or stand against. And the Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, right? So let's stand together. We need one another. We're the brethren. So finally, my brethren, just a, remo- a reminder, be strong in the Lord. That word be strong is an interesting one in the Greek. It, it actually means to be empowered, I thought that was very interesting. So is it our own strength that we're standing in? Or is it the strength that He is giving to us? Now, if we go back and we look at everything that we've been asked to do in the book of Ephesians, that's a very tall order, is it not? The Ephesian believers, as do we, face a lot of opposition. Right? There, there are principalities and powers and and. Uh, rulers of the darkness fighting against us. They hated our master. They hate us. They're trying to destroy us. It's an active battle. There's warfare going on and we're supposed to uh, walk worthy of our calling. We're supposed to be unspotted from the world. We're supposed to be faithful in congregating together and spreading the gospel, letting our light shine, obeying those who have the rule over us, etc., etc. Man, that's really tough to do. But he reminds us to be strong, not in your own strength, but in the strength of the Lord. He says, be strong in the Lord. And what he's saying is, look, all these things that I've asked you to do in the book of Ephesians and other passages of Scripture, other letters or epistles, you can do it not because you are strong, but because when you rest in Jesus and you understand that principle of sitting in Jesus and all the spiritual blessings and the enablement that he has given to us you can do it in that strength so folks when you are reminded of your own frailty this week i have been reminded of my own frailty um there's a man down in the elwood home a woman down uh she's recovering she can't do much with the kids and i'm trying to manage that i'm still working for the army i'm still prepping for preaching i've still got army college i'm doing and I feel stretched. And I, and I often, I'll say, Lord, I can't do this. I just can't do this. But that's a good place to be. Because it's at that moment you say, Lord, I'm going to simply rest in you. I'm simply going to rely on you for the strength to do this. And it's good for you and me to recognize our own weakness and to call out on the Lord and say, Lord, help. Fight the battle for me. Give me strength. 
And Paul urges the Ephesian believers, be strong, be empowered in the Lord. Folks, no motivational speech or um, you know, self-help book is going to get you through this life successfully, laying up treasures in heaven in order to give to Jesus one day. It's only as you and I rest in Jesus and get our life flow from the vine that we can produce eternal fruit. And so folks, be reminded daily, re remember that you need Jesus. You, children, you can't obey your parents from a pure heart as unto the Lord unless you're in Jesus. Unless you're abiding in Him. Wives, you can't submit to your husbands like you should submit to the Lord with a pure heart and with good intention and with integrity unless you're abiding in Jesus. And slaves or servants, you can't submit to your masters without eye service doing it the way that the Bible describes. I mean, this standard is high, isn't it? Sometimes our leaders, our husbands or fathers or masters rub us wrong, don't they? And it's easy for us to get offended and hurt and not to want to submit the way that we should, but we can do it as we abide in Jesus and we're strengthened in Him. That's the only way we can do it. Because if we try to do it in our own flesh, we're already failing. Any attempt in the flesh is already a fail. But when we say, wait, Lord, I can't do this. I need You. I'm going to abide in You. I'm going to rest in You and sit in You and walk the Christian walk in You and stand in You. Then we're strengthened in the inner man. And we can do this, folks. We can do this. But our strength comes from the Lord. Just like a branch has no strength whatsoever unless it's plugged into the vine. You lop it off and it dies very soon. It's good for nothing but to be cast in, into uh, the fire for a little bit of warmth, perhaps. But when that branch is plugged into the vine, drawing its strength and its, its life from the vine, boy, what it can do. And folks, what the church of Christ can do when it is empowered in the Lord, when it's strengthened in the Lord, we can overcome sin. We, we can see souls saved and see lives changed and see families restored and repaired. We can see the next generation raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord to go on and to love and to serve Jesus Christ without losing them to the world. We can do this, but it's going to take the strength of the Lord. And so let's not trying in our own strength and remember to go to Christ daily for that strength. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered in the Lord in the power of His might. It's almost as though He's emphasizing how mighty He is. It's like, almost like saying in the strength of His strength. I mean, His powerful might. There's no exclamation points in Greek. And so often you'll hear Jesus or others say, verily, verily, or truly, truly, they'll kind of repeat themselves in order to emphasize something. And here Paul is saying, in the power of His might. Look how powerful His might is. How mighty His strength is. And in case we forget, God can do all things. Anything. And what you and I might see as impossible, like the task before me this week is impossible humanly. 
but I can do it with a good attitude in the Lord. I can do it because of the power of His might. Folks, why, why are we so foolish to be, to be so quick to run back to our own strength? Why do we do that? We are wimps. We are puny compared to the power of His might. And it's there for us. All we need to do is tap into it. And yet we would rather operate in our own dinky strength. It's, it's just it's mind-blowing why we humans do that. It, it, it's like trying to operate a washing mas- machine on like a 12-volt battery. I mean, it doesn't work. You need 210, right? Plug that sucker in and get going. And there's power, mighty power for us at the throne room of heaven. And guess where we're seated? Right at the right hand of it. And that powerful might is ours. Do you have a sin habit that you can't overcome? Have you been meaning to witness to that neighbor, brother, sister, dad, mom, whatever it may be? Well, there's powerful might available for you to go in the strength of the Lord and do what we ought to do. And folks, we need this power because we fight a very powerful enemy. Right now, in the country of Ukraine, the might of Russia, right, is there and attacking the city of Kiev, killing people, trying to take more, more territory. How in the world do you stand against a powerful, a powerful army like Russia? How do you do that? You've got to have some powerful friends, don't you? Well, the good news is, as powerful as Satan is, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And he says, brethren, be strong, be empowered, be in, uh, endued with strength in the Lord. It's right there for you. And the normal Christian life is one that operates in the Lord, in Jesus, and it's a strong life. And it's all glory to God because he doesn't choose the strong or the mighty or the wise, does he? He chooses us foolish and weak so that he might get the glory when something amazing happens. People can't help but go, wow, God must be mighty. And so when a little country like Ukraine can win a war against Russia, they must say, wow, they must have some powerful friends. And when we went win a victory, the, vic- the, the glory doesn't go to us. It goes to the Lord Jesus Christ. So folks, be strong in the Lord, not in your own strength, but in the power of His might. Now verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. You only put your armor on if there's a fight ensuing. The battle is at our front door, folks. It's, it's here. It's now. This is not the time for leisure or uh, for distraction or for entertainment. There's a real battle going on right now for the souls of men, for the souls of our children, for the future of this church. And oftentimes when you look around, especially in the United States of America, it seems as though the enemy's winning. And everywhere you see Christians who are just taking a stroll through the park and Paul is saying, Christian, put your armor on. There's a battle right now. And you've got to fight. When, when uh, the, the warning went out in the country of Ukraine, I think it's 
men ages 18 to like 60 or 65. I mean, they stayed because the fight was in their home, right? There's, you know, it's, it's not, oh, I think I'll go see a movie today. I think I'll go, you know, walk the dog. It's put your armor on. The enemy's here. Folks, the enemy's here. In this life, we only got one shot at this. This, this isn't like video games where, hey, you die, you reboot. I mean, this is it. And if the devil gets a hold of you and gets his fangs into your, into your life, he'll destroy you. So put your armor on. We have to fight. We have to stick together and be strengthened in the Lord. Because if we don't win this fight, it means the eternal damnation of many around us. And it means potential shame when we are judged. I don't want that, folks. There's a battle to fight. He says, put on the whole armor. We'll talk about that later. Don't leave a part of you vulnerable to the enemy. Right? Um, just a chink in the armor is all the enemy needs. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand. There it is. Folks, we've got to stand. We've got to be strong. Because the, the enemy is here, the battle is now, and, and sometimes it seems as though we're losing, but we don't have to lose. We are on the winning side. We are seated at the right hand of mighty power in heaven. And we know the end of the story. We know that Jesus wins. So why live in defeat now? Those sins that you can't overcome, that habit that you've tried to, to, to beat, that attitude that you just can't change, um, that, that home that you think is impossible. No, there's mighty power for you and for me. And if we are empowered by the Lord, we're strong in the Lord, we have our armor on, we have His mighty power, we can be victorious, folks. There's hope. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The, the, that word wiles has to do with trickery or deceit. Isn't the devil deceitful? I mean, just so crafty. He's good at what he does. He's been at it for over 6,000 years, right? And he's got some, some of our best soldiers to fall. David and Samson and Solomon, right? I mean, he got those guys. He's deceitful. He's crafty. And if we're not careful, we'll be duped as well. And we can be duped in so many different ways, and I won't get into all of them tonight. I mean, he can uh, convince us that what we're doing isn't so harmful. It's pretty benign. You know, I know maybe it's not the best. And once we start down that path, it just, we get desensitized. And before we know it, we're so far from the Lord, we don't even remember where we came from, where we're going. I could give an illustration uh, and say that if this is the standard, the Word of God, this is where we should be to the best of our ability with the Lord's help. And then often, Matthew, come on up here real quick. I want to use you for an illustration. You've probably seen this illustration before. But if I'm standing here on the Word of God, the world is just here and they look over at me and they say, man, are you weird. Go ahead, say, tell me I'm weird. <laughs> Everybody knows that, my wife especially. Uh, this is where the Christian ought to stand. And compared to the world, yes, we're a little bit weird. And that's okay. Because of all the spiritual blessings I have in Jesus. And when I cling to this book and its promises and I live by its precepts, 
I'm blessed. It's okay if the world thinks me a little weird because if anything, it's a little bit intriguing. And at least I can say, you know why I'm so weird? Let me tell you about a man named Jesus who changed my life. But instead, we get looking over there and you go, you know, yeah, I I am kind of weird and I don't like that feeling. Well, let me just... Okay, I'm an arm's length away from the world. I'm not like buddy-buddy with the world, but I'm an arm's length. Now am I so weird? Is that better? Okay, a little bit. <laughs> He's like, oh, get away from me. So what happens to the world? It just drifts farther and farther and farther away from the Word of God. And then before, I, before you know it, I'm going, I'm weird again, you know? So let me just get a little closer to the world. Okay, now I'm an arm's length from the world. I'm not the world, but I'm not so weird. And then the world gets a little bit farther away from the Word of God. And then I say, man, I'm weird. I don't like this. I don't, it's uncomfortable. Let me just get an arm's length away from the world. What's my standard? The world. Stop making the world your standard. Thank you. And make the Word of God your standard. And no matter how far the world may go from the Word of God, we know this is truth, so stand upon it. Because it's in this book that we find that we have a relationship with our God. And we're reminded of the, of the inheritance and the spiritual blessings we have in in Christ Jesus, and all that is ours so that we can stand and put on the armor every day and not be duped by the devil. And the devil loves to trick us. And he's got so many Christians not even thinking about the Word of God anymore. As long as I'm just a little bit different than the world, I'm okay. But it's, that's not my standard. And we could go on and on about how the, the, the devil dupes the believer. You know, in any conflict, you look at, you know, World War I, World War II, the Cold War, um, Vietnam, the current conflict in Ukraine. What does the enemy often use to dupe people? What, what does he use, right? Propaganda. Boom. What has Russia done with media in their country? They've lowered the Iron Curtain once again. No, no media except state media allowed. And so the story goes, hey, we're in Ukraine, the people love us, we're liberating them from the Nazi party, you know, this, that, and the other. And meanwhile, you know, the rest of the world is looking at TikTok videos, live, right, of, you know, the maternity hospital getting bombed by Russia. But the people in Russia, they don't, they don't see that, they don't know that, right? Or many of them anyway. And, and they put out propaganda and they blame other people and enemy... People, governments have done that. Terrorist organizations have done that a million times over because it's crafty, because it works. It tricks people, right? And the devil is the mastermind behind it all. He's the big bad boss on the final level. He's the one moving these people and influencing these people. Folks, look at what the next verse says. It says, We stand against the wiles, the trickery of the devil with the whole armor of God. We can stand against it. And with this book to guide us, we can recognize truth and error, right? Why do we do this? Why do we put our armor on and stand? Because the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So it's interesting when we have a conflict, we we identify the enemy as those we can see, right? So Vladimir Putin... You know, he's the enemy of the country of Ukraine, right? World War II, who was the enemy? Hitler, right? 
That's easy, okay? And you go back at any conflict and you can identify, yes, the leader of this country, the leader, you know, um, the leader of this terror, terrorist organization. We can see a man with flesh and we can say, that's the enemy. Is that really the enemy? Because who's behind those men? Who's influencing those men? Who's leading these people in these conflicts and this uh, grasp for power and for wealth and for might and leading them to murder and to hate and to lie and to spread propaganda? There are powers that we don't see. And folks, that can be a scary thing if we don't know the truth that we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. It would be a scary thing for you and me if it weren't for the truth that we have the Word of God to guide us, a light unto our path, and a lamp unto our feet, and the whole armor of God to wear, and the sword of the Spirit, the church of God that, that uh, will win against the gates of hell. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickednesses in high places. Let's break that down really quick. Principalities. So, as I thought about this word, I thought, well, um, we have, we have um, nations, if you will, or, or areas where there's a people group in control, right? Um, we have, in the spiritual realm, there seems to be, if you go back into the Old Testament, book of Daniel and others, and you can see that it seems as though there are, is a demon or demons assigned to a principality or, a, or an area or a country, etc. Does that make sense? And so what that tells me is that the devil and his demons are organized. It seems to be the case as you read the Scripture. But the world would have you believe, or the devil would have you believe, that either A, the devil is a farce, or that he's some cartoon with a pitchfork sitting on your shoulder and the good guy's on the other shoulder, right? Or he's just a harmless, you know, little ha-ha, you know, throws his pitchfork. The devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if he, if he gets the opportunity, he will chew you up. He is a dangerous enemy. He will destroy you. He will destroy your family. He'll destroy this church. He's done it multiple times over. And we're not immune. And he's got areas of influence that he has leadership over, assigned, I believe, as you read Scripture. And they're organized, and they're studying you. I believe that the devil, or whatever demon was assigned to David studied David and said, you know what? I know how to make this guy fall. And I'm going to create some influences and some situations where I'm going to get this guy. I, I think I, I, we can't give the devil more credit than he's due, meaning we still live in the flesh. And, and it's the flesh that trips us up. Okay, We have a choice. We can have the victory. But sometimes we don't give him enough credit. He is out to get us. And he's organized. And he's studied us. And if he can hurt you and destroy you, uh, set a mind for you and lead you in a path, boom, he will. And I believe that there are principalities um, that 
that are operating, these areas of influence, maybe regions of the world. I don't know how it works, but it seems to be that they are organized. And so what's, what's the principality that, that Satan is operating in, in, in this area, right? Maybe it's over Ann Arbor, or maybe, I don't know how it works, the Northern Hemisphere. Principalities. Uh, verse 12. Against powers. Powers has the idea of authority, right? And so, um, if you have a ruler, or a president, or a king a magistrate, whatever it may be, and he has areas that are governed by, you know, uh, governors, right? He might assign them these areas, and what does he give to them? He gives them authority, doesn't he? And he says, you can uh, rule this area, right? You're responsible, and give me a report, right? And you're, Jason, you're, you're responsible for that section, and Larry, you got the middle section, and Charlie, you got this section, and, and you know, you, you govern, uh, you know, the people in that. That's how governments work. And I believe it's the same way in the spiritual realm. That over these principalities, the devil has given authority, and God has allowed it in this generation, in this time, that the, the, the uh, spiritual rulers have authority, Right? And they are influencing world leaders. They're influencing entertainers. They're influencing economics. I believe there is spiritual influence in the world that is active and that is organized. And if, if we didn't have the Word of God, would that not be a scary thing? I mean, that would be scary. I mean, we, we see these movies about ghosts and goblins and whatever. Well, that's kind of what they are and their intent is so much more heinous it is to damn humanity for all of eternity just to spite god that's their goal and folks it's at our expense so have your armor on so you got principalities you got authority given against the rulers of the darkness of this world and in these areas given authority are the rulers and again i don't know how it works but it seems to be that there's a structure of authority within the, the, the demonic world. Um, you can read about this again in the Old Testament. Um, uh, and the spiritual warfare that is actively going on for your soul, for your life, um, influencing the world. And these rulers, these demonic rulers, I believe, <clears throat> are behind a lot of the wickedness that we see in the world. The Holocaust was a wickedness that I believe that was spearheaded by some demonic power. And I believe the man Hitler was influenced by Satan's minions. I, I, I don't think that that's a stretch to say. And we see so much wickedness happening in this world. That wickedness as well as just the wickedness of, hey, come look at this pornography. Come try this drug. Lie to your parents. That's all what the devil wants. And I think that the, the demonic powers are trying to influence the church to capitulate, influencing the world. And they're using the flesh, right? So we've got to remember that we live in this flesh still. It's not that the devil automated me and made me do it. Don't ever listen to that. 
we have a choice, Christian. We can serve Jesus Christ. But there's a real enemy out there. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, authority given, rulers of the darkness of this world. The darkness that is trying to uh, comprehend and, and shut out the light. It doesn't want the light of Jesus to shine in this world. And again, I think that's the goal. To get your light covered. This little light of mine, what do we do? We put it up on a candlestick. What don't we do? We don't put a bushel over it. But that's what the devil is trying to do. And that's what these rulers uh, are given authority to do to try to put out the light of the church. And I think that the devil has realized that whenever I persecute the church, that light just gets brighter. But if I can lull the church to sleep, man, this armor's heavy. I just want to take it off and breathe for a while. There's not a lot of spiritual uh, wickedness. There's not a lot of demonic activity here. I mean, maybe in a third world country, sure. But here, come on. I mean, life is good. We don't need to fight a battle. Stop, stop causing panic, Pastor CJ. Life is good. Take it easy. And if the devil through his wiles can lull us to sleep and trick us into thinking that the enemy is nowhere to be found, He's got us. And so there are principalities and powers, authority given in those principalities and rulers of the darkness of this world trying to spread darkness throughout the world so that the eyes of man will be blinded so that they'll never come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And we also wrestle against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Just the wicked influence that we see in the heavenly places it seems to be. Um, it's interesting as you read the book of Job how that it seems that in heaven there's a conversation going on between the devil and God. And was that in heavenly places? Did Satan come before God and have a conversation and say, hey, what about this? You know, well, no, the Lord was the one who brought him up. How about my servant Job? Hey, how about him, huh? And, and there's a conversation that ensues. And there's wicked influences uh, in our world. And I tend to think that this is talking about, A, yes, spiritual battles that happened beyond our senses in the spiritual realm, right? And also attempts by the devil and his demons to uh, accuse us. The Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. And perhaps the devil is throwing accusations to God about Pastor CJ. Do you know what a fraud he is? Right? Um, I don't know what's going on. But the point is that this is a real battle that every Christian has to face. We're in this battle together, folks. And it, Paul here implores us to put the armor on. Because if we think that, oh, come on, this is all so sensational. This is, this is silly. The, you know, our, our struggles are real, but, you know, they're first world problems, and, you know, we're doing fine, and, you know, the devil's got us right where he wants us. There's a real spiritual battle going on for your children's souls, for the future of this ministry, for this country, for this world. And we Christians are the ones who have been endued with power, 
and given the armor and given the sword to go and fight against these spiritual wicked powers. And so in verse 13, he says, Wherefore, because of all this going on, I mean, if it's in the Word of God, it's the truth, right? And we stand in the midst of this spiritual warfare. We can't see it, but it's happening. And because of it, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Put it on, folks. Put on that helmet of salvation. Right? Put on the breastplate of righteousness and so on and so forth. We'll get into those things. It's a daily task. Does it take some time and effort to put armor on? It absolutely does. You know, you've seen the movies, right? Where you got the king and he has his armor bearer, right? And then, you know, you see him put it on and tighten the straps and then fit the helmet on and buckle his thing and, you know, get his, his arm things on. And it takes some time. It takes some doing, doesn't it? And once it's on, it's not like, uh, a Gucci suit or something, right? It's not, you know, just real soft and silky and smooth. It's heavy. It's clunky. It takes time to put on. And it's not the most comfortable all the time. But when you're in a battle, it doesn't matter. You'd rather have heavy, uncomfortable armor. You'd rather have that than a dart go through your heart, wouldn't you? And so, folks, the battle's now. The battle is here. So forget comfort. Let's put our armor on. It takes work. It takes time. It's a daily task. In the army, we're given, uh, we're issued armor, right? We have our ACH, Army Combat Helmet, and our IBA, Individual Battle uh, Armor. And when you put the plates in, and you've got this Kevlar helmet on, and I don't carry a weapon because I'm a chaplain, but you give a, a man an M4 or an M16, and then you give him a sidearm, and then you give him uh, a, a canteen or a camelback, uh, and you might give him some ammunition. I mean, you talk about weight. And if he throws a pack on his back, that guy's carrying anywhere from 80 to 100 and plus pounds extra. And he's wearing it all day long. When you were at the guard shack, you weren't allowed to take it off. You had to wear it for your shift in the heat of the Middle East, right? Or wherever that soldier may be. But why couldn't he take it off? Why did he have to endure the hardship of wearing all this heavy, un it's uncomfortable. The Velcro scratches you and I mean, it's just weighing down on you and the plates are uncomfortable and you're sweating and it's sticking to your body. It's not comfortable. You're riding a Humvee and, and like you're bouncing all over the place and your head's wobbling because it's so heavy. I mean, it's not comfortable to be in this armor, but why do you wear it? We sacrifice comfort, right? Because we know there's an enemy out there who would love to destroy us and hit us at our weak point. And if we were to take off our armor and let our guard down, boom, the enemy can, can hit us. So folks, realize that there's a spiritual battle going on for your life, for your future, uh, for your home, for, for your church, for your pastor. So we have got to have our armor on. As a chaplain, I wear armor, but I don't have uh, any weapon. But my religious affairs specialist or chaplain assistant does. He's more than just a bodyguard, but in a sense, that is what he, he does. And so if I'm in trouble, guess who comes to my aid? Guess who protects me and gets me out of harm's way? He does. And folks, 
We have spiritual leaders in this church. We have pastors and deacons. We have staff. We have fathers, right? We have mothers. We have children. They're all going to lead somebody else, hopefully. They're all going to be a part of the fight, and we've got to be there for them. We've got to have our armor on, ready for the fight. So that if my, my, my friend goes down, that buddy system means I go and grab him and pull him out, out of harm's way. And folks, we, the, the devil has his eye on each one of us. And if we get hit, let's not abandon our friend. Let's not leave them to bleed out and die. Let's go to their aid and pull them to safety. Let's keep our head on a swivel, watching out for each other, because the battle is real. So have your armor on. Stand in unity with the church. Remember, we're the brethren. He says that in verse 10. The brethren. There's a camaraderie within the military that is um, close to... Uh, second to none, I guess you'd say. I think in the church it should be tighter. But in the military there's a camaraderie because you go through those hardships together and they're unified and you fight together because there's strength in unity. We need to do that. He says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand all that the world and the devil throws at us. We need to stand our ground and, and stand against it. Because there are those coming behind us that we need to protect. There's a truth for which we need to fight and for, to stand upon. To withstand in the evil day. Now some people take this and say, oh, it's a future day. It's a, it's, it's a day coming. I think what it's talking about is, um, boy, it was an evil day when they learned the Russians were coming across the border in Ukraine, didn't they? Wasn't that an evil day to them? When we heard that, nine, that the towers were hit by... Uh, by airliners on 9-11, 2001. Can you believe that? I remember where I was, and I'm sure if you were alive then, or not an infant, you remember where you were as well. If, if you were alive during Pearl Harbor, that was an evil day. And folks, every single day, a man of God gets taken down. A woman of God gets taken down. A home gets split and destroyed. A church closes because of immorality, or because of uh, just empty pews, or every day the devil gets a victory. It's an evil day, folks. And we've got to withstand all this attack. And we cannot do it in our own strength. We can only do it as we have the armor on, and uh, endued with power or strengthened in the Lord, recognizing that there's an enemy out there. We've got to know his tactics. We've got to know how to counter his attacks because he's wily, he's crafty, and we've got to know these truths so we, we can withstand and having done all to stand. Folks, look at those last few words. Having done all to stand. If standing in the light for the light, for the truth, for the church, for our Savior is worth it to you, then we've got to do all we can. We can't just give a half-hearted effort. Examine yourself tonight and ask yourself, have I done all? Have I given myself to the fight? Living in the United States of America, I, I, again, I'm bringing Ukraine up time and time again. Looking at Ukraine, I think, boy, I wish there was something I could do. Maybe there's a charity I could donate to. You know, I'll certainly pray. But some 
Some, have you heard of this? Some have gone over and said, I'll volunteer. About a hundred Americans were accepted out of 600 or something that, that volunteered. Those guys said, you know, I can give all. I can go and stand with those people and fight. Christian, the question is, is standing for our Savior, for our children, for our pastor, for our churches, for our future, is it worth giving all? Am I all in this fight? Because the devil certainly is. He's not interested in anything else but taking you out, taking the church out, uh, giving God a black eye, if you will. And have we done all to stand? We have our armor on. Are we standing together as brethren? Are we watching out for Satan's attacks? Folks, the, the fight is here. The fight is now. Having done all to stand and in the strength of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this message that you've given tonight. And I pray that you would use it. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would recognize that there's a real battle going on, that, that the devil is organized, that he's studying us. He knows how to attack. We've got to be ready. We've got to have our armor on. Thank you that we have victory in you. Thank you that as we recognize that we're seated in Jesus, we have all authority, all spiritual blessings, we can walk the Christian life unspotted from the world. We can let our light shine. And we can stand in the light. We can stand against the wiles of the devil. And we can do all and give all to stand for you. Father, I pray that our church would be successful in Ann Arbor. I pray that the homes here would be successful. The marriages would be successful. Lord, we pray that you'd have the honor and the glory. Give us victory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.